Good morning to each one of us, and it's indeed a, a blessing from God that we are able to be in the, in the presence of God, though we are away from each other physically, but in our spirit we are together in one, so we are so grateful to God for the way that he has blessed us through this uh, online um, uh, meeting. Today the scripture passage is taken from the book of Second uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And I would like to read for all of us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And today the topic that we would like to look at is on the importance of God's word. Shall we look to God in prayer? Our Father God in heaven, we pray that, Lord, you will bless us this morning as we meditate on your word. The importance of your word will come out strong because it is you who will be speaking to us this morning. Prepare our hearts, prepare our minds and our thoughts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I was preparing for this message um, and also listening to Dr. Sanjay Patra last week, and the way that we are progressing into it, I was thinking, I was, I'm very convinced that God is leading our church, SDC Church. Yes, presently we don't have a shepherd, a pastor with us, for us, but I'm very convinced that the, the elders of our church are listening, are heeding to the thing uh, of the Holy Spirit. I'm very convinced with this. Let me tell you why. We started the year with uh, a focus on the attributes of God and different week, week after week, we were looking at different various attributes of God. We were looking from the scripture, we were studying the scripture and trying to understand even more what were the attributes of God. And we went into um, the book of Habakkuk, which I thought was a very uh, good way of going into a study after studying the book of uh, the, the various attributes of God. Because Habakkuk was faced with a situation where he knew who God was. Yet in this world, he saw so many things which seems to be, you know, what, what is God doing? He addressed the issue of injustice. He addressed the issue of suffering. And he was looking at, where, where is it? Where are you, God? Some very heart-hitting questions that he asked. And if we have not really focused on the attribute of God, I was thinking maybe our understanding of the book of Habakkuk would have been even lesser. So I'm very happy that we went into the book of Habakkuk. Just as Prophet Habakkuk, in the ultimate, um, uh, in, the, in, in the end, he would say that, I, I have heard of you, Lord. I stand in awe of you. What a beautiful statement. I stand in awe of you. And he says, though the fig tree may not bloom, I mean, though nothing else is there, but yet I will rejoice in the Lord. If he has not understood who God was, what the attribute of God is, how, how could he have come to that conclusion? So I'm very convinced that it is God's doing that in our church, in SDC, we have, God has led us to look at the attributes of God and the, and, and the book of Habakkuk, and we went into lockdown after that, you see? And we are at home. We're trying to wonder. We're wondering as to what happened. I mean, good people are getting sick. 
The whole world is getting locked down. What's happening? I mean, what is God? The gracious God, the merciful God, where are, where, where are you? Some questions may come up. Many of us can ask those questions. But the fact is, because we have dealt on the attributes of God and because we have listened to the book of, studied the book of Habakkuk, I think our church, SDC, is in a better situation to understand this period of lockdown much better than maybe many who have not yet gone to this aspect. So that's why I feel I'm very convinced that God's Spirit is leading us and our elders, the church elders, are heeding to the leading of the Holy Spirit, which I'm so, so grateful to God. Um, Brother Joseph was lifting the Bible two, three times, and today he says that this is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. That is exactly what I want to focus on today. The passage that we read in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says all scripture is God-breathed. It says all scripture. I mean, what are we looking at? The scripture that we have got, that brother was telling us, the scripture that we have got here, including Old Testament and New Testament. Let us keep two things in mind. Let us be very clear in this. When Paul was writing this book to Timothy, Timothy, who from his, the Bible says, in a sense, a verse before that, in verse 14, it says, from your infant stage, from your infancy, from your infancy, you have been looking at the Holy Scripture. And now Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says that you, Timothy, who from infancy, unlike the other Jewish people, who at the age of five, they would have started the Word of God, reading the Word of God, but for you, even before five, in your infancy itself, your grandmother, your mother has taught you the scripture, the holy scripture you have been. All this is God-breathed. Now, at this time, Paul knew that Timothy, the scripture they were referring to, the written form that they have, is the Old Testament. Not the New, not, not the New Testament that we have got today. Because the process of writing those New Testament letters where it was going on, now, does it mean that Paul was telling that it is only the New Old Testament that was God-breathed and not the New Testament? No. There are two, there are three, rather, I would say. I would, rather, I would like to refer to three um, verses. Two from Paul's letter and one from Peter's letter, where it gives very clear indication that the work of the New Testament, the elders and the apostles were definitely a continuation of what the Old Testament uh, the, the scripture has been telling and it is a continuation of that second first uh, Corinthians chapter 9 verse 9 to 10 and first Timothy 5 17 to 18 um, let me not read through the whole thing but in these two passages Paul was referring to one particular Old Testament regulation in Deuteronomy chapter 25 25 verse 4 where it says that do not muzzle the ox while treading. Do in NLT, in, 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 in the NLT version, it says, do not keep an ox from eating as it threats uh, as it threats out the grain. Well, in the Old Testament <clears throat> regulation, it says that when the ox is in the process of threading the grain, let it eat. Let it eat. Do not muzzle the ox at that time. Now, Paul uses these two particular, uh, this particular passages in those two letters, in 1 Corinthians 9 and also in 1 Timothy 5, 
referring to the work of the elders and the apostles then who were in the work of preaching and teaching and he says that don't they deserve the food the the thing that is due to them Paul in comparing the work of the old, uh, all the of the first century the elders and the um, apostle in the preaching and teaching to the old testament regulation he was equating them at par with that the letters that they were writing the scripture that they were the, the teaching that they were teaching is to be read in continuation to the old testament scripture second Tim- second peter second peter 3:15 this is a very interesting statement second peter chapter 3 verse 15 and 16 it says let me read paul wrote to you with the wisdom that god gave you so therefore it is not paul's wisdom that he was writing all those letters no matter how difficult it was it was not paul's own understanding it was because of the wisdom of god that he was able to write and teach those teachings 16 his letters contain some things that are very hard to understand which is true even peter acknowledges that so therefore i think it is good for us to even say that wow that is true but which the ignorant and unstable people distort now listen to this as they do the other scripture so therefore it is very clear that the preaching the teaching the writings of letter of or the, the, the writings of paul is a part of the scripture and people distort this just as they do to the other part of the scripture nlt is interesting the translation says this just as they do to the other parts of the scripture new king james version it says as they do also the rest of the scripture so aren't we convinced now this morning that the scripture that god breathed is about this both old testament and as well as new testament and the word god the word of god is very clear in paul writing to timothy that this scripture is useful for teaching for rebuking for correcting and also for training and those are the four things points that i just want to briefly um um, um dwell this morning just uh, meditate on you with this morning usefulness of the scripture is for teaching the true doctrine niv it says useful for teaching new king james version says version says profitable for doctrine nlt says it teaches us what is true so therefore the usefulness of the scripture is to for teaching the true doctrine what is this teaching that we're talking about when we try to understand what teaching is we are basically talking about um foundation we're talking about ideas principles we're talking about doctrines we're not talking about stories but we are talking about the basic foundation of the existence of a particular be it organization or be it an institution or whatever a teaching it may be so therefore when we are talking about teaching we are talking about the teaching the, the the basic doctrines of the christian faith 
in 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 the book of Exodus, when Moses brought his people out, brought people out from uh, from from captivity, and they were in the wilderness. There was a time when his father-in-law Zithro came and visited him. I like this passage very much because it gives a lot of it's it's, it's a case study you can see. You talk about management. There are so many of you who are into management. You talk about people management. You talk about so many other things. This is one particular passage that you can really dwell on. Jethro saw what was happening. Moses was so exhausted from morning, evening. He was trying to solve issues. And he has this advice to say. Exodus 18 and 20. Jethro says, teach them the decree and laws. Teach them the decrees and laws. And show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. So therefore, he's saying that Moses, you focus on teaching. Don't do all these things of solving the small, small issues of the daily problems that the people are facing. Teach them the decrees. Teach them the basic foundation of why you are here, why you are going to the promised land. Teach them about it so that things will fall in place. You know, the scripture is also very clear that God wants us as families to have this teaching imparted in our families. Um, Proverbs 1.8 is very clear in this. He says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. 3.1 Proverbs, it goes, continues to say, my son, do not forget my teaching. So when it says my teaching, it is just not my own thoughts and my ideas. We are talking about teaching on the basis of the scripture of God. Focus on it. Teach on the word of God in the family. Within the, in, in the family. So that when crisis comes, when things are going good and things are not going good, the scripture will lead us. The scripture will continue to guide us in the way that we respond to those situations. Jesus took his teaching ministry very seriously. Obviously, it's very, it's, it's okay, we may say that it's, uh, that's obvious, but he took his teach, the teaching ministry very seriously. He was very conscious in making an effort to, to teach the people that he is a fulfillment of a scripture. Last week, I remember, I was um, uh, uh, reading from John, John 1. Where it says that the word read, became flesh. The word of God becoming flesh in the human being. And so in Luke chapter, uh, in Luke chapter um, um, uh, 4, verse 15, he, he taught in synagogue. And it, this portion is also called as the Nazarene Manifesto. Jesus went to a synagogue and he was reading the scripture. And he was reading from Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2, where he read out, he's saying that I have been sent to deliver good news to the poor. And he concluded saying that in reading this today, the scripture has been fulfilled. Therefore, he was making a statement saying that I am the scripture that you're reading and I am the fulfillment of the scripture. He was trying to teach his people as to what, who he is. And as he begins his ministry, he was very clear in the way that he gave emphasis on in, in, to teaching 
Remember how he met Nicodemus when he came at night? Nicodemus came to him at night and he spoke to him. And he was referring to one particular, uh, uh, he, Jesus gave this statement in uh, John 3, 13. He says, no one has gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. No one has gone into heaven except the one who has come to heaven. Basically, he's referring to himself. But is this his own words? No. He was again referring to Proverbs 30 verse 4, where it says that who, have, who has gone up to heaven and came down? So when Jesus was given, going into his teaching ministry, he was very clear that he is the fulfillment of the scripture, the Old Testament scripture that they have that time. And he continues to refer to those Old Testament scripture passages after passages just to prove that he is what the scripture has been talking about. The, um, Jesus fed 5,000 of them. 5,000 of them. He fed them. But when people started saying that, oh, he is the prophet, he withdrew. He went there. But later, later, not immediately, but later, he, he, uh, he, 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 he taught to, his, to the people, I think at a synagogue, he was, he was teaching and then he talked about, I am the bread. I'm the bread of life. You see, he says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Again, he referred to a scripture from Isaiah 55, 2 and 3, where it says, why spend money about what is bread, not bread? Listen to me and eat what is good. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. And Jesus now quoting that, he says, I am the bread of life. Scripture is useful for teaching. And Jesus very clearly used scripture in teaching the doctrines of the Christian faith, the foundation of the Christian faith. So therefore, if we want to be clear in what the Christian faith, our faith is all about, where do we go? The scripture alone, the word of God, Old Testament as well as New Testament. So it is very important that we as church, we teach from the scripture. We as family, we teach and we learn from the scripture. Secondly, Scripture is useful to rebuke, to make one realize the wrong. I've taken the statement from NIV, which says, useful to rebuke. NLT says, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So, Scripture is useful to make, to rebuke, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. The meaning of the re rebuking, to rebuke is to reprim reprimand someone. To reprimand someone, a forceful disapproval of a particular action. You disagree with someone and you forcefully disagree with that. That is to, to rebuke someone. Um, Le uh, Leviticus 19.17, it says, rebuke your neighbor, frankly. Proverbs 27.5, better, better is an open rebuke than a hidden love. And Jesus in Luke 17.3, it says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. So therefore, the scripture is very clear that rebuking is to be used in our lives, all again, on the basis of the scripture, not on the basis of our own, not on the basis of our own judgment. Rebuking is good to make, our, to to make us realize why, where we're going wrong. You see, when God asks his disciples, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you think I am? Peter says, you are the Messiah, you're the Christ. You say, wow, 
Jesus continued to say that I am going to die on the cross. The Peter said, no, no, that's not possible. What was Jesus' response? He says, get behind me, Satan. What a strong rebuke. What a strong rebuke. Because, because this was going contrary to what he came for, why he came for. He says, you are a stumbling block. That is not from God. It is, from not, it is not from God. The things that you're saying is not from God, it's from man. Get behind the, me, Satan. Remember when Satan was trying to tempt Jesus at the beginning of his um, ministry, when he was going to that uh, wilderness and fasting, he was tempting him. Away from me, Satan. It's almost as strong as that rebuke to Satan himself. But Jesus has to do that because Peter was going against the basic doctrine and the purpose of Jesus coming in. If that is not rebuke, there is not going to be, there's going to be a huge, uh, uh, it's going to go terribly wrong. Jesus rebuked him. Remember, Jesus was, Jesus along his disciples were going on a lake on a boat. There was a storm brewing coming. He was fast asleep. His, 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 his disciples were getting worried. They were scared. Master, master, please get up. We are about to drown. We're going to shipwreck. We're going to die. Jesus, the scripture says, Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and he spoke to the uh, to the waves. I don't know in what way he rebuked this, to, 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 to the, to the um, wind, but the next verse it says, he turns to the disciples, where is your faith? Where is your faith? So therefore rebuking the wind was as good as rebuking his disciples. What is happening? Where is your faith? He's not expecting an answer, but he's saying that you are with me. You are following me. Don't you know that I'm in control of everything? Something was going wrong and he needed to rebuke them so that there is a, a, a correction. There is a way his, um, his focus is, uh, their, their understanding is, uh, um, is more clear on him about, about their faith. He rebuked them. He rebuked them. So therefore, rebuking is required when a believer behaves in a way that is in a manner that is contrary to the scripture. He is very useful in that. The scripture goes on to say that correcting is useful. Scripture is useful to, in correcting to straighten us out. NIV says to, in, is useful in correcting. NLT says it straightens us out. I love this. It straightens us out. There's a course correction. We were going somewhere wrong. There's a course correction. And now this is slightly different from rebuking because correction could be by way of, you know, uh, Someone can chastise someone, scold someone and do correction. And the second part is not, not scolding as such, but in a, in, in, in a loving way, tell them or teach them and there could be a, a, a correction that can happen. Um, let me try let, to explain what I'm trying to mean here. You see, in the, in, the, in, the, in the first century, when believers were consisting of the Jews who left the Judaism, the, Judea, the faith and went into Christian faith, there were Gentiles who left their faith and came into the Christian faith. There was a kind of confusion there. There was a lot of confusion as to how they should mix, whether they should circumcise, what they should eat, how they should eat, how they should mingle. There was a lot of issue there in the first century. There was one particular situation where 
Paul describes in Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, where he opposed Peter in the face. It says, the scripture says, it, he opposes Peter. Now the situation was, Peter was with the Gentiles. But when some people from James came into the, to, to Antioch, then Peter began to withdraw. When Judas, Judas this um, leaders, the Jewish leader came, the Jewish Christian leader came in, in Antioch, he withdrew from them. He, he withdrew from the Gentiles. He started eating separately, maybe. Now, people saw that, and he, they also started behaving like Paul. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, uh, 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 like Peter, even like Barnabas. They were led astray. Paul saw this hypocrisy. Paul saw that this is not correct. So therefore, he opposes Peter on the face. He said, I oppose him in the face. In one of the Bible study, one of the brothers was saying, Paul should have been more um, um, uh, diplomatic, you know, the way that he corrects. But the situation demands that he oppose them publicly because things were going wrong publicly. The, 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 the thing that Christ did on the cross was enough and no more circumcision and no more um, um, segregation is going to help in the work of, in the aspect of salvation. So therefore, Paul rebuked Peter. Paul, sorry, Paul opposed Peter. Correction is being done here. Correction is being done here. Second, another example that I want to take. Um, you, we all know about Priscilla, Aquila, and there is one particular person called Apollos. We are talking about Acts chapter 18. Aquila and Priscilla, they are from Corinth. They are tent makers. They came in contact with Paul. He, they helped a lot in the ministry of Paul uh, in, the, in, in the spreading of the scripture. They came in touch with one person called Apollos. Now this Apollos is a very interesting person here. Let me just read out some of, the, uh, some of his, um, uh, who he is. He said, he has been, uh, he's a Jew. He is a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scripture. Please keep that in mind. We have thorough knowledge of the scripture. He has been instructed in the way of the Lord. And he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Though he knew only the baptism of John. Very interesting person here. Very interesting person. Full of zeal. He, was, he knows the scripture very nicely. He, 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 talk about, he thought about Jesus accurately. But he knew only the baptism of John. And Aquila and Priscilla saw where he was lacking. And what did he do? What did they do? They invited him to their homes. They spoke to him. And the scripture says, Acts chapter 18, verse 26. He invited him to their home. They invited him to their homes and explained to him the ways of God more adequately. That is an IV version. An IV. In King James Version, it says, more accurately. So therefore, Priscilla and Aquila were here, where they went to the scripture again, and he spoke to Apollos, who was very accurate in the way that he talked about Jesus. But they instructed him, they taught him in such a way that he was corrected, and he was more adequately and more accurately equipped. What is the, what is the consequence of this? The result of this is, in chapter, uh, verse 28, it says, For he, that is Apollos, 
rigorously, rigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving them from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. I'm just wondering if not for Priscilla and Aquila, he would have continued very zealously, he would have continued to preach. But the limitation of just knowing about the baptism of John would have severely restricted him in, 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 in um, talking, in, in sharing the scripture in a very forceful way. Maybe we, may we be wise in heeding to the correction of through the word of God. Because the word of God says um, in Proverbs is very clear. He who hates correction is stupid. He who, but he who hates correction is honored. And he who hates correction, he shows prudence. May we be wise in heeding, listening to the correction through the word of God. And lastly, it is useful for training. Training to do what is right. Once again, NIV says, useful in training in righteousness. That is what NIV says. King James also says, instruction in righteousness. NLT says, teaches us, the scripture teaches us to do what is right. So therefore, the scripture is useful in training us to do what is right. This training is very different from teaching. Let us be very clear on this. I know some of you are in the, in the, in the field of training, so therefore you are much better uh, a place than me to explain about the difference between teaching and training. Teaching focuses on the foundation, the basis, the basis, the doctrine, the principles, ideas, but training is about making the other understand how to perform a particular task. Let me give an example. See, if you're trying to approach the Galatians 5, 23, 20, 22, and 23. The fruit of the Holy Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And it goes on, goes on. If you're trying to teach this, how, what would we teach? Probably we'll be talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, maybe from Genesis 1 itself, where the Holy Spirit of God was present in time of creation. We'll be talking about how Jesus, um, um, Jesus said that, I'm, I'm to, I'm, I'll go, but my I'm going to leave with you my whole, the Holy Spirit, a comforter. John 14 and John 16 again says how the Holy Spirit is going to work in our life. Maybe the teaching will be about these basic doctrines and ideas and principalities. But when it comes to training and try to approach training from this, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we, we will go into the struggles that we face. What is this patience all about? Maybe some of the problems that we go through in life. James is very clear. James, James is very clear when he wrote a book in his, uh, his, his book. He says, consider it pure joy when you face different trials. When we fail, face different types of trials, it brings about, if we are hearing, if we are listening to the Holy Spirit, leading of the Holy Spirit, it is going to teach us how to live a life that will bring out the um, the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So maybe, so therefore in training, in the aspect of training, we will be focusing on how I need to have responded to a particular situation, what I need to have spoken, how I need to have related to the other person, and we continue to meditate on the word of God day and night and try to figure out as to how I need to behave myself in such a way that I am in line 
with scripture. That is about training. It is about training. Hebrews 5, 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. The author of Hebrew, when he was writing to his first century Christians, and he says that, see, you have been listening to the word of God. You have been listening to the teachings. But what's happening? You're not mature. You're not, you're not mature enough. What's happening? What's happening? You're not able to eat solid food. Let me read to you. This uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained. That is the purpose of training. Why, why, why do we eat training? The, the author of Hebrews says that we eat those solid food. And we're able to eat those solid food. Why? Because of the constant use of them through training. We don't depend on the milk anymore, but we need to chew solid food so that we get more and more strength, energy, muscles. We need protein. That is what this training is all about. Teaching is important, but it should not just remain here. It's just not the knowledge, the head knowledge. It has to be felt. It has to be lived out. And how do we do that? Through the process of training. Training need not necessarily be easy. Often it is very hard. Often it is very hard. The scripture is also very clear on that. It's very clear on that. Hebrews 12, 11, it says, No discipline seems pleasant at a time, but painful. That is a reality. When you go through this training process, it is painful. We just wonder, why am I going through this? Why this lockdown? Why this pandemic situation? Why do I have to be locked out in my home for so many days altogether? But is it possible that God is in a way training us in many ways? God is allowing us to see bigger picture. I'm so grateful to Dr. Uh, Raven Prakash. Uh, two weeks back, I think he shared the, the e-book of uh, John Piper on uh, 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 coronavirus and Christ. Excellent book. I think, I, I mean, for those of you who have read, you'll agree with me and those who haven't. I, I, I suggest that you also go through this. In a time of situation like this, when coronavirus is the thing, in thing that we're talking about, can Jesus be the one who is above that? Can we see the hand of God even in this situation? John Piper would say that, yes, there is. So the response to this situation is not about hopelessness. The response to this situation is about Focusing to God. And how is that possible? How is that possible? Unless we go back to the scripture again, our, our, our deduction from the whole situation that we're in is going to be different from the way that we deduce the God, authority of God by reading the scripture. So therefore, a good teacher like John Piper would go to the scripture in a very minute way and compare and contrast the situation that we are in in this um, in this uh, pandemic situation and he would come up and say that God is in control look beyond this and there are reasons to say that God we're so thankful to you and how is that possible because of the word of God because of the way that we look at it so if the teaching is strong if we have been going wrong and if we have been rebuked properly and if there is something 
that we were doing it unknowingly wrong and there has been a course correction in the way of um, um, correcting us from the scripture. We struggle through situations, but we go through a lot of training. Through this tough situation, we are trained and on the basis of the scripture, any situation that we face, I'm very convinced that we are a better place by God's grace to be able to face those situations. I would like all of us in the end just to exhort that let us rethink on this. We have heard about the authority, the power of scripture last Sunday. How is it important? How is it relevant? Knowing about the authority, the power of the scripture is not enough. Unless we experience it in our life personally, we read that, we meditate it and try to lift out in our daily living, the way that we speak, relate, the way that we live our life on the, on the basis of our scripture. Unless we do this, it's not enough. So therefore, may I encourage you, each one of us, to go into this scripture again, to read again and see the importance of scripture in our life. God will bless each one of us. May God bless our church. May God bless each one of us. Thank you.